Good to have you with us this morning, as well as those of you in uh, Stevens Point campus and over in Appleton. Good morning to all of you guys, as well as all the people who watch us online and on television. Good to have you with us today. We are continuing our study, our look at the Apostles' Creed, what we just had you all say together. Uh, going through it just a piece at a time, kind of clarifying what some of these things mean for us. Uh, our text has been Second Peter, the first chapter, verse 12 where he says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. What Peter is saying is, is, look, even though you know these things, it's important that I keep reminding you of them. Uh, there's many fundamental elements in the Christian faith. It doesn't take very long to learn them, but uh, we need to constantly be reminded of them because we forget about them even if you've been at this for a long time. Of course, it's very important for those of you who are fairly new to church to understand what these things mean. And certainly for those who are looking and considering becoming a devout follower of Jesus, all this stuff is very new to them. We have been on the phrase, we believe in the Holy Spirit. And the two phrases that come after it also tie into this concept of the Holy Spirit because we also believe in the Holy Christian Church and the fellowship of believers. Now, we've been reading about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God amongst us, okay? This is different than any other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world is reaching out, trying to touch God. When you walk with Christ, the Holy Spirit's right here. God is, kind of, is constantly touching us and showing up and doing dramatic things in people's lives and answering prayers. It's really quite fabulous. We talked about the gifts of the Spirit what Paul calls the special endowments of supernatural energy that are available to us. Now, the thing is, these special endowments, these gifts of God showing up and doing dramatic things, is not something you can plan, and you cannot predict it, and you certainly can't predict who has it. A lot of people try to figure, well, it's the pastor. If I can just get the pastor to pray for me, that'll change everything. Well, it may, but then again, it may not. Uh, it's not like we have this stuff coming out of us all the time. These are special gifts, and these come randomly, like the little whack-a-mole game that you play in, in Chuck E. Cheese, you know. You're never quite sure where it's going to pop up. Uh, sadly, the only way to really find this is to be involved in church and connected with people. That's where God shows up. And it's God. It's as real as God as if Jesus was standing here physically. In fact, Jesus said, it's better that I leave the earth so that the Holy Spirit can come. A lot of people think, oh, I just wish Jesus was here physically. I'm telling you, once you get this and really understand it, it is as real and as powerful as if Jesus was here physically. The difference is now he can show up everywhere all over the world, all at the same time, in wonderful, miraculous ways. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't get that. How come I don't experience that very much? It's because you're not connected very much to people. We live in an age where people today are not very connected in church. Uh, they kind of live their own little uh, existence. And uh, I'm convinced that someday people are going to ask God, how come you didn't answer my prayer? And he's going to say, man, I must have sent the answer 20 times. And you're going to be shocked and say, well, when was that? Well, this guy over here had your answer, and this person over here one Sunday had it, and I gave it to this lady one time, but you never talked to anybody. You're not connected with anybody. People come to church slow, and they leave fast. It's amazing, the transformation. <laughs> that happens. They kind of mosey and drag, like they're climbing up a hill, and on the way out, it's like they're running down the hill. <laughs> Let's get out of here. 
And uh, the problem is fine, at least you come to church, but you're not going to get this. You want God to show up, you want miracles in your life, you need to get connected. Because that's what happens. In the early church, people used to come and they'd spend all day in church. Actually, this was true even up to 100 years ago. 50 years ago, to be honest, 75 years ago, people would come to church and they were there all day long. And they would take the time. And part of the fun of it, the people who really understood this, is waiting to see where does God show up? Who has something special? Where is there a special? And here's the thing. Even the people that have these special gifts, they don't know they have them. They have no idea. In fact, if, for those of you who've been involved in this and are connected, you've seen this. Even sometimes you'll feel God will use you and it's a shock to you. You're shocked as the guy who's getting the answer. You know, you're praying for somebody else and, whoa, what was that? You know, that was cool. And the other person's like, wow, I, I so needed that. And you're thinking, well, that was fun. But you had no idea. Again, it's not in that particular. They would come together and they would spend all day. We don't do that anymore. Obviously, back then, it took a long time for them to get there. You know, if I come to church on a horse, I'm staying a while. <laughs> you know, that's what they did. And they came and they were connected. Well, now we've got modern time and people, again, come slow and leave fast and they're not very connected. But there's no alternative to it. There's no other way you can get this. God is going to send answers for you. Many of you will never find those answers because you never talk to anybody. You're not connected with people. Well, I got me and my two friends. That's not enough, Jack. It doesn't work that way. That's why uh, we have the church is part of this. This is how God moves through and, and through people. Now, here's something that's really important to understand. A lot of people misunderstand this role of the Holy Spirit. There are, it wouldn't surprise me if there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people in America who never go to church, who are truly Christians. They really have had God do something in their life. They're true believers, but they don't want to go to church. They don't like church, and they say, well, I don't need church. I got the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit. But you don't get it. That's not what the Holy Spirit is for. You're not going to really truly experience God by you being an island. Jesus didn't come and send the Holy Spirit so you could be a lone ranger for Jesus. And there's a lot of people, you know, sitting at home right now in their underwear watching me on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God, this is my church. You know, we're on the internet. That's not church. Get off your butt and go to church. <laughs> for heaven's sakes, you're not going to get this stuff. And you're the very people who sit around and moan and come out, oh, how come God doesn't show up? How come God has my prayers? How come? Well, he's sending answers. You're just not here to get them. Get on with it. Don't sit around. And other people who say, well, I don't need, I don't need church. You know, I, I can worship God by myself. I can worship God out in the woods shooting critters and stuff. And yeah, I suppose you can, but you're still not going to truly experience what we're talking about. This unique moving of God that comes by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't come to make you something off on your own. You know, sometimes people get confused because they think the Bible is contradictory. For example, there's scriptures that say the Holy Spirit is here for God to do a unique thing and, and he will teach you and stuff. But then parts of the Bible in the New Testament says it's important to hear preachers and teachers because they're going to teach you. Well, it's contradictory. It's not contradictory. They're both true. You need the Holy Spirit. God will talk to you and speak to your life if you're listening. But you also need this group environment thing. Say, well, I don't want this group environment. I, I know, because people are a pain. <laughs> they are. Have you met people? <laughs> They're highly irritating. It is what it is, you know? The further you're away from them, the better they look. <laughs> no, really, the people on that side of the church, they love these people over here. You guys look great. 
It's the people sitting next to him that creep him out. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it, it, there's no shortcut to this stuff. Jesus didn't come and give you the Holy Spirit. So you may go, oh, God speaks to me all by myself. It's like, you're delusional. You're in a delusional world and you're not going to be effective and you're not going to advance the cause of Christ. And you're sitting there and be a lone ranger for the rest of your life. You need to connect with people. Oh, I can worship God on my own. I don't need someone to teach me. I, I don't want to be around. Oh, the Christians are so many hypocrites. Yeah, you're one of them. You know, that's why you should be here. But this is how you start experiencing it. That's why we, when we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe God actually shows up. This is not some disconnected pie in the sky thing, Jesus out there in the sky somewhere. We believe God shows up. That is what makes Christianity so powerful. That is how in a handful of years, these people turned the world upside down, early Christians. Not because they had some new philosophy about God. There was 18 gazillion philosophies of God they had back then. It's because when they came and started talking about this, God showed up. And miracles would happen. And prayers would be answered. See, a lot of people think, well, just, you know, Jesus was here, did miracles, and then he went to heaven, and, and, and that was the end of miracles. No! It wasn't the end. It was the beginning. Then all kinds of miracles started showing up. To read the book of Acts, it's powerful. And to this day, God does things. For those who will take the time to get connected, to be part of this. So, that's why we say we believe in the Holy Spirit. And the next phrase is we believe in the church. We believe in the institution of the church, this gathering of people. And for those of you who are so critical, you know, about church, I don't like church. I don't, I don't believe in organized religion. Well, you like it here because we're very unorganized, you know. <laughs> but what they're trying to say is I don't need people. I don't need anybody. I can do it on my own. Well, again, you're just self-deluded. You're not going to really... You have to remember, the person who set up the church was Jesus. Kind of important what he says, okay? We read about it in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. He says, so Christ himself, it was his idea. He's the one who says, I will establish my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you are thinking, I don't need the church and I don't need people, you are not flowing with Jesus. Because he said he would create this institution and... You need to be a part of it. He himself gave apostles, the Bible says, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, all of this. Why? To equip his people for works of service. Most other translations say for the work of the ministry. Now, we got this backwards today. We think pastors do the work of the ministry. It's the pastors and the elders and all spiritual people. They're in the ministry. We always say that. We, you know, you can't help but say, I'm in the ministry. Well, it's actually inaccurate. We are not in the ministry. You're in the ministry. We do this stuff to empower you to do the work of the ministry. Don't be looking for us to do the work of the ministry. You need to do it. People call it, Pastor, you need to come and, and witness to my neighbor. I hate phone calls like that. Just <laughs> irritates me to no end. I'm not going over there. You witness to them. Well, aren't you in the ministry? No, you're in the ministry. We're supposed to make you do these things, empower you so you leave here and you feel confident to go share your life with people. That's why you're out there. We pastors live in a bubble, bubble land. We're the bubble boys of, of life. We just walk around bubble because nobody, you know, not very many heathens around us. <laughs> They're not. I mean, I don't like even telling people I'm a pastor, but I can't get away with it now because everybody sees me on TV, you know. But the minute you tell somebody a pastor, all of a sudden they transform. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, yes, nice to meet you, Reverend. You know, 
Yes, oh, yes, we're very spiritual. You liars, you're not spiritual. You're saying that because you're around a preacher. Okay? The beauty of not being a pastor and actually in the ministry is you can be around heathens. And you can connect to them and you can relate to them and you can influence their lives. That's where the work of the ministry is. We don't do the ministry. You do the ministry. You guys in point. You guys in Appleton. All you guys that are followers of Jesus Christ. You're the ones who are supposed to be doing the ministry. It's not your campus pastor. He's not in the ministry. He works for us to empower you so you do the ministry. You should be praying for people. You should be encouraging people. You should be experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. Christianity is not a spectator sport. You're not supposed to be sitting here just watching people on stage. All right? You're supposed to be experiencing this stuff. That's what all of this is really about. You know, uh, in my early 30s, you know, back about 70 years ago, uh, you know, I got out of being a pastor for a while because I sucked at it, quite frankly. It was awful. And, and, I, and, and people said, are you leaving the ministry? I told everybody, no, no, I, I am quitting the church so I can get into the ministry. That's what I did. I quit the church so I could get into the ministry. And it was great. And then I started being surrounded by heathens and getting a chance to relate to them and stuff like this. Great. It's a beautiful. This is how we share our faith with people. The truth is, that's why it's so important to have new people come into church all the time. Because new people come to church and they bring all their heathen friends with them. Right? At some point, if you've been in this for years and years and years, you don't have very many heathen friends because they all, they all left you. <laughs> they dumped you. You know what I'm saying? At some point, all your heathen friends don't want to be your friends anymore, and they just stay away from you because you got the plague. You know what I'm saying? You're a Jesus person. You know, it's important. The churches that don't bring in new people, they die. Because at some point, all the people you know are in the church. And you don't want, it is what it is, but that's why we need new blood coming in all the time. So that you can relate to these people and touch these people and watch them. And all of the work that Jesus set up for the church, preachers and all this stuff, is all for you to do the ministry of God. If you don't understand this, you don't get what church is really about. That's what the church is. It's about you serving God, you empowering. The Bible says we are a nation of priests. You know, I know people like to say, well, yeah, I'm not a priest, but you know, you're a priest or you're a pastor. You know, no, no, no. True Christianity is we are a nation of priests. We're serving God. All of y'all are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, whether you're aware of it or not, that's what you should be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, so that, why does it say, why did he give pastors and teachers and stuff like that? For people to do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, there's another part of the church, it's much less popular, uh, but it talks about the structure of the church. In Hebrews, he writes in the 13th chapter, have confidence in your leaders, talking about your pastors and leaders. Have confidence in them and submit to their authority. Well, we don't like that. Nobody wants to submit to anybody. We're Americans. We hate submitting to people. We want to tell everybody to stick it. I know, I'm one of you. Yeah, stick it. Yeah, tell me. Look, <laughs> you know you hate it when people tell you to do stuff. The only reason you don't tell your boss to stick it is because he gives you money. You know it's true. He quits paying you, you're going to tell him to stick it. You might think he's a moron wrapped up in an idiot. But you don't say it. Why? Because he's giving you jack, right? All right? We submit to the IRS because they'll take your house from you. All right? You know, police, you know, they have guns. We should submit. Although some people are stupid. I, I don't understand people. They get pulled over by the side of the road of the cop. 
You ever walk by them and you, you hear them yelling and cursing at the cops? Man, it's a good thing I'm not a cop because I, I would shoot you. <laughs> I would just take a gun out and just, bam, shut up. Yeah, we got another one over here. Come get him. <laughs> the man has a gun. Show a little respect for heaven's sakes. Well, he, he stopped me. I wasn't going that fast. If you weren't going that fast, he wouldn't have stopped you. Shut up. Because men, you know, we're never guilty. Men are never guilty. You know what I'm saying? Or, no, it's never our fault. You know, I was talking to Jimmy Bratcher in Nazareth last weekend, and we're hanging out at the house talking, and they do a lot. They go into a lot of prisons and stuff. And they say, you know, it's remarkable the difference between going to a female prison and a male prison. Because at the female prison, they all admit they did it. That's why I killed him. I'd kill him again. He had it coming. I, I did it. Yes, I did it. I'm going to give me a time. Kill him. I'd shoot him again. <laughs> the women always admit they did it. But you go to the male prisons, everybody's there. They've been framed. There's not one guilty guy in jail. It's hilarious when you go to a guy's prison. Uh, well, I don't know, man. I didn't do it. I, I never did. The women, yeah, I did. I'll do it again. You know, they're, they're, they're scary, the chick prisons, man. I'll tell you right now. I was in there, why? And you didn't do it. You must have done something, you know, and make your case, but show some respect. We're people of faith. We're supposed to respect authority. Now, it's easy to respect and put up with the uh, boss. He pays us. The IRS, because they'll confiscate stuff from us, or the police, because they can shoot us. When you come to church, you don't want to submit to the pastor. What can he do to me? Nothing. All right? So you get to this level of submission, this is really voluntary. And this one is tough for a lot of people. Again, we are the kind of people, we don't like to submit to anybody. Every one of us, we hate authority. We know it. But you got to be careful. As Christians, we are supposed to submit to authority. By the way, oftentimes one of the knocks on Christians, you know, you, 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 they abuse women. They say women should submit. Read your Bible. It says everybody should submit. It does. All of you should submit to one another. You go through the list of all the things you should submit. Nobody gets out of this. We're all supposed to have an attitude of, yes, I will suck it up and I will do something I don't want to do. Not very popular in American culture. But God, quite frankly, doesn't care about our culture. His church supersedes our culture. And the reality is we are supposed to show that kind of submissiveness to the leaders in our church. Have confidence in your leaders, he says. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give account. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden. And all the pastors said, amen. So for that would be no benefit to you. But again, nobody wants to submit to anybody. Nobody don't trust. How can I trust? How can I trust you, pastor? Well, you can't. You can't trust anybody. There's no guarantees in life. People will say, how can I be guaranteed my husband won't cheat on me? You can't. Unless you put an ankle bracelet on him. And then they'll figure out how to get out from underneath it. All right? That's called trust. You trust people. Oh, my heart got broke. That's why it's a violation of trust. Okay, and people, someone was unfaithful to them, say, well, I'll never trust anybody again. Don't be like that. You got to, well, how can I guarantee? There is no guarantee. It's why it's called trust. Okay? Now, seriously, when it comes to the church, I don't know what everybody's so paranoid about. A bit, I know what it is, is people don't want to do anything they don't want to do. And they don't like anybody telling them what to do, Christian or otherwise. And they'll just tell you to stuff it. Christians, people who are supposed to believe in the church, they'll say they believe in the church, but the truth of the matter, they never want anybody to tell them what to do. Most churches, quite frankly, are evangelical churches. 
kind of like ours, uh, are structured where the people tell the pastor what to do. The pastors all are employees. That's the way they're run. The people run it. Most Baptist churches are, you know, the people tell the pastor what to do. Most evangelical churches, the people, the Assemblies of God church, I know I was Assembly of God. The people tell them what to do. Man, those guys live in fear. I can always tell when I'm around Assembly of God pastors. I don't even have to ask. I just smell the fear. Oh, you must be AG, you know, because these guys constantly, the board votes on everything and the people vote on everything. And we, need, we need to change this carpet. Oh, I wish they would change this carpet. It's like an acid trip gone bad. But, uh, but before we change, we got to have a business meeting and we got to call all the people together and we got to have a vote and then we'll have all the acid people who approve and all the sane people who don't approve and we're going to fight it out and see. And if the pastor's alive, we'll vote that pastor out. The pastor is an employee in most churches and I think it is an abomination. And no many so many churches are so impotent. For heaven's sakes, Say, well, we're, congre- we're congregationally run, you know, like the United States of America. I've got news for you. The church is not the United States of America. This is a theocracy. And there's rules and there's the ways God set it up. And the Bible is very clear about how churches should be run. And at some point, it just takes faith. The other thing is, that, what is everybody so afraid of? Goodness gracious. You know, I've been accused of having abusive authority. I abuse people, some spiritual abuser. Really? What? Because I changed that department to this department? Or we put this pastor over here instead of that pastor? Or we changed this song to that song? That's the end of the world to people. And they get mad when they leave the church and say, he's a demon-possessed pastor. Because he's here. I'm not going to believe in Jesus. I'm not going to submit to that. Really? This is exactly what do you submit to. Doing something you always like, that's not submissive. You know? Bob, I want you to submit and come take this $20 bill. You know, yeah, he'll do that in a heartbeat. He did, you know. That's not submission. Doing stuff you like to do is not... You know what submission is? When you're asked to do something you don't want to do. Okay. Why don't you volunteer and do... Okay. Why don't you help out down in the nursery and change poopy diapers? Okay. Right? This is called submission as an attitude. You just, again, nobody here has, we've been in, we were in a ministry once that was very abusive. Man, they controlled your day. Every day they tell you what to do and who to do it with. They controlled all your money. You had to get permission before you could go visit your parents. I'm not making this up. These people were crazy. They got crazy and we finally got out of there. Oh, dear Lord. I know spiritual authority that it gets abused. We're not anything. What am I going to tell you to do? I don't even know half of your names, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Tell you to do this and that. Nobody's controlling you. It's just, this is how we do church. And if we make a decision you don't like, just, you know, chill out. Part of this is we need to be submissive. And don't be so rebellious. Rebellion, the Bible says, God calls rebellion synonymous with witchcraft. So not, see, God has a very, so, if, there, if God has a sore spot, I promise you, it's rebellion. The whole reason we're in this mess is because of rebellion. Satan at some point said, well, you know, you can't tell me what to do. And I have my committee over here. And we think that we ought to run stuff this way. And it was all rebellion. That's what started this whole insanity. And we're just, we're, you know, it's all going to hit the fan at some point. We, you know, we're just in the pause before the storm. This is all going to end. Judgment Day is going to come. And Judgment Day originally was set up for Satan and his angels. See, they haven't, people say he's in hell. He's not in hell. 
He's still roaming around causing all kinds of trouble. It's coming and he knows it's coming. You know, we're just in the pause before, the calm, if you will, before the storm. All of this is because rebellion. God does not like it. When you have this, you can stuff it and you can't tell me what to do. You got to understand God does not think that's cool. He doesn't appreciate it. And it's synonymous with some really bad stuff as far as he's concerned. At some point, as people of faith, you've got to be willing to listen and do stuff you're not really crazy about doing. Not because you're being an abuser, you're some kind of cult and stuff. Nobody's even talking about the kind of stuff. But at some point, your heart is, yes, I will be part of this. All right? So, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the institution of the church. And the third one now, we believe in the fellowship of believers. That's what makes up the church. The church isn't a building that you're in. You guys aren't sitting in a church. You are the church. The people in it make up the church. Here we acknowledge that we cannot do this on our own when we say we believe in the fellowship of believers. We need each other. If we are to successfully fight the good fight of faith, we need to join hand in hand and advance the cause of Christ together. Here's the problem. People are a pain. And they're difficult. And they're hard. But they're supposed to be. In Proverbs, the 27th chapter, we read this verse. As iron sharpens iron. Have you ever seen iron sharpen iron? You know what happens? Sparks are flying everywhere. I'm pretty sure if that iron could talk, it would be going, ah! Because you're holding on, sparks, ah! He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As he passes, this person irritates me. Yes, they're supposed to. Okay? They're supposed to. You know, my husband irritates me. Why is that? Because he's still breathing. That's why. <laughs> Hang in there. He'll stop eventually. <laughs> Everything in life is about people. And we have sparks with people. And there's conflict with people. And that's life. And that's normal. And it's healthy. Iron sharpens iron. That's how you become a useful sword. And not just a clunk of iron. Some of y'all sell clunks of iron. Because you refuse you refuse, I will not be taken to that grindstone and I'm not going to have iron sharpen me. That's why you come in slow and you leave fast. Pew! To avoid any conflict or any connection with any other chunks of iron. But you are never going to be, you guys, you're never going to be all that God created you to be. An effective, sharpened utensil. If you run from people all the time. Look, I get it, it's painful. It's uncomfortable. It is what it is. It's supposed to be. This is how you get close to people. And you know, most people, we do these personality tests and motivation tests. You know, we've got one. Lots of people have it. Most people in the world actually are peace-motivated people. What they want more than anything is just peace. They just want to get along. Can't we all just... <laughs> most people, that's why people in churches, you know, usually when they leave, they leave in groups, in chunks. And they're almost always all peace-motivated people who are upset just because somebody else is upset. And they don't even know why they're upset. Why are you upset? Fred's upset. Why is Fred upset? <laughs> I don't know. But they got to leave the church because someone else, you know, seriously, check your medication. Okay? It's going to be fine. Here's the kicker. I know you want peace and you want just calm in your life. But here's the kicker. You cannot possibly get to peace if you won't handle conflict. It's impossible to get close to somebody without some degree of conflict. 
Now, no one's talking the big wars, but I tell you, people who are always taking the conference, well, I don't want to have that, and putting it on a shelf. Couples who do this. You know, oh, well, let's not fight. Put it on the shelf, put it on the shelf, put it on the shelf. Eventually, the shelf gets so heavy, it breaks, and just the whole thing comes crashing down, and it is an unmitigated disaster. Don't do that. Oh, I don't like it when we argue. I get it. Suck it up. This is what you do. You better to have the small conflicts than wait for the great big conflicts. You know, as I travel around the world, one of the knocks on the United States of America is they always say, well, you guys bomb everybody. You guys always bomb it. Why, why do you guys bomb people? Well, first of all, we can. But, uh, but that's not the main reason. It's not because we need to use our bombs. <laughs> it's just we learned better to have the small conflict than wait to get out of control. You know, some of you geezers my age and older remember about a good 70 years ago, there was a young man running around Europe by the name of Adolf, causing all kinds of trouble. You know what everybody did? Let's just get along. Let's just get along. Let's get peaceful with him. We sent Chamberlain over. Oh, Chamberlain went in. Oh, I talked to Adolf. He, he agreed he would not invade Poland. We trust him. Yeah, yeah, how'd that work out? You know, what happened was it turned into the worst war in the history of mankind. Millions of people were Killed, brutally killed. Much less the tens of millions who were suffered and wounded and displaced. It was a disaster. That is why Western nations are so quick now. And we jump in and boom, things start dropping. Because we learn better to have the small conflict than the big conflict. You older people know this. You younger people, pick up a book. Learn about stuff. There's reasons for these things. That's why everybody's freaking out because the Russians took Crimea. You know? I mean, I don't care. You want Crimea? Take it. Take the UP while you're at it. I don't care. You know? <laughs> the Russians would not like the UP because the UP would fight back. You know what I'm saying? They got guns up there. Them Upers will take you out, Jack. I love Upers. Don't. Don't yell at me. I mean, well, I don't really care. Why is everybody so freaking out? There's got a little spot of land. Everybody voted. They want to become Russian. Because they know that's how this stuff starts. That's why the whole world is so freaked out. Because they have read books. And they still remember. A lot of them still remember very dearly what happens when you don't deal with stuff right up front. It turns into a worse situation. The same is true with people. Better to have the smaller conflicts. Listen to me. If you guys over in Stevens Point, you guys in Appleton, you guys listen to me here. If you have not gotten to the place where somebody has really ticked you off in our church, you are not connected. It's true. If you're sitting there smiling, you know, I've never been ticked off at this church. Shame on you. That's because you're not connected to anybody. Because I promise you get close to people, they're going to tick you off. Look at the guy next to you. He's irritating, right? You know, it's what we do. It's, it's iron sharpening iron, and it's supposed to be this way. It's good for us. It's healthy for us. Don't freak out. There's a proverb in the book of Proverbs that says this. Where there is no ox, the stall is clean. See, everybody wants a clean stall. Oh, pastor, how do we get our call stall clean? We just want to go, we just, I just want everything perfect and everybody happy and little fairies dancing in the corners and just every, I just want, we just want it nice and clean and stuff and, and then you bring in the cow and there's poop everywhere and I hate that. Get rid of the, the cow, the bull. But the Bible says, oh, sure, you don't have the ox, you got a clean stall, but then you have no benefit. 
There's, no, there's much strength and benefit that comes from the ox. What is he trying to say? If you're going to be successful in life, you're going to have a lot of crap. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's life. If you haven't been pooped on around here, you are not doing your job. So well, I don't like it. Nobody likes it. But don't freak out about it. We're Wisconsin, for heaven's sakes. Anybody been on a dairy farm? Since, I mean, a lot of people haven't been to dairy farms. So you got to go visit a dairy farm. It's quite horrifying. It is, it is an experience of poo. Poo everywhere. There is poo. At first time I went on a farm, I was mortified. I was like, oh, good Lord. What, what is this? How can you live like this? And the smell. Oh, <laughs> And, and there was poo everywhere. And I looked, there was poo on the wall. It was stuck on the wall. And I said, how do you get poo on the wall? And I, and I quit standing behind the cows because apparently, <laughs> apparently some of this stuff comes out with some degree of velocity <laughs> and sticks to the wall. And there's poo everywhere, but the farmers aren't crying. They aren't belly aching. They aren't whining. To them, it's the smell of money. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for all the poo. And they love the poo, and they cherish the poo, and they collect the poo, and they save it. And they save the poo. And then in a few weeks when all this snow melts, they are going to spread that poo everywhere. And it's going to reek around here for about five weeks. And you can't breathe in Wisconsin. What is that smell? Oh, it's just all the crap. What do they do? They're spreading it everywhere. It's called the smell of money. It's called life. You don't want that? You want a clean little stall? Nobody upsets you. You never have any problems. Everything is manageable, peaceful. Nothing gets anything upset. Okay, okay, but you got to get rid of the cows. But then you have nothing. See, you have nothing. You got to realize when we talk about we believe in the fellowship of believers, we're talking about we believe in all the poo that goes along with it. That's life. That's what it is. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the institution of the church. And we believe in the fellowship of believers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord, help us to break out of our comfort zones. To realize that we need to connect. And the more we connect, the more we will experience God as you show up in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us not to freak out and panic when the poo starts hitting the fan. Just help us to carry pooper scoopers with us, Lord. Clean it up, move on. That's what forgiveness is for. But help us to truly connect so we can be the kind of unit that you can truly use for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. See you.